Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Mexico City, Mexico with my new friend Alex Vega of VibeAdventures.com. He came here for love and stays for its diversity, abundance of culture, and proximity to nature. In this episode, Alex and I talk about visiting the Frito Kahlo Museum, eating fried insects at Mercado San Juan, and exploring the Chapultepec Castle. Hear about these three amazing experiences, plus so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Mexico, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Alex's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Mexico City. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, I quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Mexico City, Mexico. It's a city that I've I've learned a lot from my friends who've traveled there, but I haven't had a chance to go there yet. So it's really amazing to have you on the show that we can talk about all your tips for the city. Yeah, hopefully I will be able to show some some nice spots and give some nice tips about the area. Absolutely. So I know from just from doing a little research about you, like you're actually not from Mexico City originally. So what brought you to Mexico City and what keeps you there? Exactly. I'm originally from uh, Belarus. I've been living in uh, several countries before. And uh, five years ago, a love brought me here, a Mexican woman. Things changed since then, but uh, I fell in love with the city. And uh, I'm, it's, it's my, I would say, first home right now. Oh, fantastic. Well, there's nothing wrong with traveling to a certain spot just for the love of a, of a great woman. And I'm glad you're having a great time there with her. In the five years you've been there, I'm sure you've met a lot of great people and explored so much of the city. If you had to describe the city or the people in just a couple of words, how would you do that? I would say for the city, it would be definitely diverse uh, because the city is so huge. It has literally everything you, you need. It's, uh, I would say, the size of New York in terms of culture, gastronomy, anything you could expect from a multicultural city. Uh, but at the same time, there is plenty of nature. About 20% of the area of the city is actually uh, protected, it's national parks. So there are volcanoes around. It's a short drive, a relatively short drive, like four hours away from the Pacific, four hours away from uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So it's just a comfortable spot to live and uh, you find anything you want here. And uh, talking about people, I would say it's uh, those people that enjoy their lives uh, every day, whatever the circumstances, whatever the the weather is just being cheerful and enjoying uh, the life. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I know, you know, I mean, I love going to Mexico with my, with my wife and family, and we enjoy a, a lot of great times. Primarily, it's at Cancun and Cabo that we go to, but going to more of a, a cultural center like like Mexico City is like high on our list of places to go in, in next year. So if we're planning a, a trip, what's the weather like throughout the year? And are there any festivals or other events that maybe we want to plan our trip around? Mexico City, basically, it's uh, it's in the tropics. But given the fact that it's about 2,000 meters above sea level, which is, uh, I guess, 8,000 feet at least, 
it's the weather is uh, it's kind of different from from the coast. So there are two uh, distinctive seasons. One is uh, like calendar summer, starting from May till October. It's a rainy season, so it's it's pretty hot and humid during the day. Uh, about between 25, 30, even more degrees Celsius. Very often it rains, like heavy rain after six, uh, with all the precipitation that, you know, gets uh, evaporated during the day. And uh, the second season is a dry season. It's basically like another half of the year, starting from like end of October until end of uh, April. Personally, it's my favorite season because uh, it's dry. The weather is uh, always clear, the sky is clear, no rain, almost uh, never. It's still very comfortable, not too hot, like 20, 25 degrees during the day, like 10, 15 at night. Celsius, yeah, so that's the weather. And in terms of um, festivals, as far as it's a huge city, there are a lot of different events, uh, seasonal and so on. And Mexicans also love uh, parties, love, uh, you know, celebrating their life. So I would definitely go for... A, for example, the Day of the Dead, uh, which is uh, celebrated every year on the 30th of October and uh, November 1st and November 2nd. That's when the main celebrations take place. For example, the parade in Mexico City. Then in September, there is Formula One. It grabs a lot of attention. A lot of people come here. New Year, Christmas, definitely. Independence Day, every uh, 16th of uh, September. Semana Santa. Uh, which is also it has very like unique celebrations uh, here in Mexico. For those who love music, there are two huge worldwide known festivals that happen every year in Mexico City. One is Viva Latino, is focused on Latin music, Latin artists, also with a lot of uh, like international invited uh, artists. And the second one is uh, Corona Capital, which is more rock, also high level artists from from all around the world. Oh, fantastic! Now. I, it's kind of a funny story, but it's also, I guess, just one of the things from from modern world is that I know that the, like you said, that the weather is is really nice throughout the year. Uh, partly because it's so close to the equator, so we don't have like the a lot of snow and those type of things. But one thing that I that I remember researching from when I was in high school is that Mexico City is kind of in in a, in a valley, right? Like it's it's kind of like a built into like a a caldera or like a volcano where it's kind of surrounded by all sides and it's kind of like dipped in a valley where a lot of the smog and, and those type of things kind of settle in the, in that valley. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's basically, it's a valley of Mexico, Mexico in general, it's uh, from the East and from the West are surrounded by volcanic mountains. And in the middle there is uh, it's kind of plateau. It's called Altiplano and uh, Mexico city. It's, it's in, inside of this plateau and it's in the valley where there used to be some huge lakes, about five of them during the time of Aztecs. Now, most of them are unfortunately dry. That's the reason why the lakes were, were here. Yeah. They just, the, the water couldn't leave, couldn't just go to the, to the oceans. So the, the air gets stuck in the valley. And, uh, there are some positive effects. For example, the, the positive one is that the weather is stable here and it's always like about three to five degrees Celsius warmer than outside of the valley like if we go to the mountains where there are pine trees and so on and in winter it could be minus uh, zero but as far as uh, up to minus five degrees celsius zero so because it's a dry season there is no precipitation so it doesn't snow if it would be a 
a humid season. It, it would actually snow, but it never snows here in winter. But in, in Mexico City, it's always like warm and uh, and nice. But the, the bad, bad thing about this is uh, the smog. Normally, it happens, not always, it's not every day. Normally, it's in dry season, so it's like winter. Just specific days, yeah, when uh, uh, wind conditions are basically in favor of, of all this contamination getting getting stuck. So it's not very common, maybe a couple of times per year. Also, the government frequently monitors the condition because it was pretty bad, let's say, in the 70s. Uh, I think Mexico City was probably one of the most polluted in the in the world. Uh, but now it improved a lot because the industries moved outside of the city and uh, the government uh, monitors the situation. So there are apps uh, where people can check in the radio every day. They, you know, they would announce how the weather is, how the, uh, you know, the contamination, the level of pollution and so on. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's great with uh, the advanced technologies and, like you said, some of the industries moving that it helped to, to kind of clean the air, and that way, you know, both visitors as well as locals can enjoy cleaner air when they when they're visiting uh, Mexico City. So, if if we're planning to a trip to come down there, I know that uh, Mexico City has a has a big international airport, and I think most of the major airlines from the U.S. as well as other countries fly into that airport. Correct? Uh, yeah. I would say it's probably one of the biggest uh, in uh, Latin America, and maybe even in North America due to the, uh, it's kind of like a, a gateway to uh, a lot of flights from North America and Europe that go to, to Latin America, Colombia, Brazil, and so on. So um, a lot of companies uh, fly here, uh, including low-cost companies. Uh, so from, you can get, for example, Viva Airbus and or Volaris from Mexico. You can get a return ticket to most of uh, like the biggest cities, U.S. cities, for about a couple of hundred dollars, for example. So it's pretty easy and affordable to get to Mexico City. The airport is just a 15 minutes drive by Uber without traffic. If you come at night, if if it's uh, raining or there is a I don't know an accident or something, it can extend twice or three times up to 40 minutes but yeah there is also metro in the airport so uh, yeah pretty easy to get in and uh, get around okay yeah so so say we fly into the airport would you recommend like renting a car using the uber or taxi or using the public transportation how should we get from the airport to the city I would say it completely depends on your everything. All of the options are possible. If you just fly for a couple of days, longer weekends, you probably don't need a, a car in the city. Uh, despite the fact that it's pretty easy to park, uh, the traffic just gets a little bit heavy in the uh, in the morning and the afternoon when all the city is commuting. Let's say getting to and from work. So getting an Uber is simple. There is a free Wi-Fi in the airport. The price is also very affordable. I would say about. Seven ten US dollars for uh, for a ride from the airport to most of the central areas in Mexico City. You can also get an, a metro. Uh, it's just about probably twenty cents uh, the ticket. The metro is pretty reliable, so you would just need to make a like to change the line. If you're planning a little bit longer staycation or stay here for a week or two, and you would like to visit some cities, uh, some places outside of uh, Mexico City. I would definitely get a car. It's, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, it's pretty easy to park. There are a lot of uh, companies in the airport. You can, you know, use, I don't know, Expedia, Booking.com to check, you know, different suppliers. Also very affordable, very easy to book. 
Okay. So say we take public transportation or we take a, like a taxi uh, from the airport to, to the city. Where in the in the city should we plan on, on booking a hotel or Airbnb or, or wherever accommodations? Are there any parts of the neighbor of the city that we should avoid or that we should focus on, on booking a hotel so that way we could be near some of the major attractions? I would recommend getting close to like attractions in the city, like the areas with the best uh, infrastructure, the Definitely mention Roma and uh, Condesa. Condesa is known as a kind of, uh, yeah, it's like Art Nouveau architecture of the beginning of the 20th century. So it's kind of like if, if uh, someone watched the movie that's called Roma, uh, it was uh, Oscar winning a couple of years ago from a Mexican director. That's specifically about this neighborhood. So Roma, Condesa, a lot of restaurants. Uh, nice areas, a lot of trees, parks. Polanco is also a very nice area, a little bit newer, but also quite a, quite a high end, I would say. Uh, Roma and, uh, uh, Condesa, they are a little bit more lighter, uh, party vibes and so on. Uh, younger generation specifically like to go there because there are a lot of rooftops and a lot of like bars and uh, restaurants, parties. Uh, historic center, if you like to be, if you come for a couple of days, it just, you have, in mind, uh, Spain here, uh, that's also an option. In the south of the city, there is uh, there are two very old colonial neighborhoods. Uh, one is Coyoacan, uh, very well known for Frida Kahlo Museum, and another one is San Angel, which is like kind of like a sister brother of Coyoacan. They are one actually one of the oldest in the city, so the first uh, settlements when uh, Hernan Cortez came, he came from the south, so that's when the, the settlements were, uh, were founded. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as like the hotels, a lot of times I use like hotel points and, and free night certificates and everything to stay. But I also want to make sure I'm, I'm having an authentic experience and you're seeing a lot of the more boutique type of hotels uh, or historic properties. Do you have any recommendations as far as uh, hotels go? Yeah, in Mexico City, uh, there are several, uh, quite a lot of hotels, uh, like boutique hotels. There is one in the center. Some of them are run by well-known brands like uh, Umbral by Curio Collection by Hilton in, in the center. There is one called Andas Mexico City in Condesa run by uh, Hyatt. But some of them are also like independent ones. Like uh, there is uh, Abita Hotel in Polanco, which has a nice rooftop with a, with a pool and a nice uh, rooftop bar. I went there a couple of times, also has a nice uh, um, uh, ambient. In this center, there is uh, Circulo Mexicano. Uh, it's a member of Design Hotels um, as well. So there, there are quite a few of them, and especially in those uh, neighborhoods that I mentioned before, Historic Center, Condesa, Roma, Juarez as well, Coyoacan, quite a lot of, of, of boutique hotels. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as um, while we're there, you know, exploring the city and everything like that, I know there's a lot of museums and you mentioned earlier that there's some national parks that, that take up a big portion of the of the city. Like what are some of the major things we should do when we're there visiting Mexico City? I would say at least just enjoying the city, enjoying the weather, walking, eating, drinking, enjoying local gastronomy, refreshing yourself because normally it's it's pretty hot even in winter over here visiting museums in terms of museums mexico is it has been like in top five based on different uh, methodology in top five cities in the world by the number of uh, museums there are about 200 museums uh, and uh, different galleries in the city so yeah visiting museums like anthropology museum 
a museum of art, modern art. A lot of people like to visit Frida Kahlo Museum in Koyokan. I would go just, as was mentioned, gastronomy. Yeah, So it's uh, there is so much food and so many different flavors. And uh, it's basically can fit any taste and any budget, like starting from some street food in the street, going for uh, Michelin restaurants, which are there are several ones in the city. So those would be like things I would do. For those who love outdoors, it's getting to go into hike. Um, Mexico City has a form of, I would I normally compare it with a pier. So like the, the upper part is kind of narrow and small, but the biggest part is in the south. And that's where those uh, national parks, Ajusco, Desierto de los Leones, are located. So there are some volcanoes where you can hike and, uh, you know, do, do some outdoor activities like uh, rappel, uh, like ATVs and so on. Parks and Chapultepec uh, is the uh, biggest uh, urban park in uh, Latin America. It's kind of like uh, green lungs of the city. Now it's divided into three parts, three sections. One part has three museums, four museums. Then the second part has a, right now it was renovated. It's called Aztlan Park. It's kind of like a park with, uh, like attractions, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, mechanic games, like roller coasters and so on. There is a Cineteca being built. Uh, there are going to be, a, like a cable car going there. So there are quite a lot of things to do there in the, uh, in Chapultepec Park. Yeah. Maybe Bellas Artes which is like a biggest uh, theater, uh, the main theater. So they have Ballet Folklorico. It's like, a, I would say, worldwide famous one from Mexico. They go all around the world. So like they have some kind of seasons in Mexico City where they give concerts. So that would be just a few. I could go, go for forever. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you mentioned the, the and I'm going to mess up the name, uh, the Chapultepec, that area. There's also a castle from what I understand. Yeah, it's the only royal castle, like the interesting fact, it's the only royal castle in North America where actually a royal family was living because uh, Mexico used to be an empire. They were like second and first empire, so it had two emperors. Uh, like in, in Portugal, for example, like the, the king of Portugal, he used to live in, in Brazil during the Napoleonic Wars. And there are some other castles, but they were never royal. So this is like an interesting fact. And since then, it was basically a like a residence of Aztec kings before, then the presidents of Mexico. Now it hosts the National Museum of History. So it's definitely worth visiting, seeing the murals, seeing some artifacts, and uh, a nice view from, from the hill, the view of the city. That's pretty amazing. And then also, I know uh, just from like the history of Mexico, there's also like Aztec and Teotihuacan pyramids that are not really inside the city, but if you're going down to Mex uh, Mexico City, that it's a it's relatively a short drive away, correct? Yeah, exactly. It's just Teotihuacan. Uh, it's a UNESCO-listed place. It's the most visited archaeological site in all Mexico. The second one would be Chichen Itza in the south. So quite a lot of people who went to Cancun and Riviera Maya, they might have visited it. So it's definitely a massive, a huge pyramid. It's actually one of the biggest in the world are uh, located there. It's just a 50 minutes, uh, 50 kilometers away, one hour drive. So if you go, if anyone rents a car, that's easy to get, or even it's accessible by Uber to negotiate, to agree with the driver, to wait, and then to come back. That's that's another option. Okay, yeah, I, I was just going to say that I know sometimes you know, people, when they're visiting, you know, 
other countries, they're a little hesitant to to rent a car because they're not comfortable with the with the roads and those types of things. So I was wondering if there were, you know, like you said, you can you can negotiate with the taxi driver or you can probably book a tour for, through your hotel or something like that that would be able to take you out there, and that way you don't have to worry about driving. Yeah, in terms of renting, as I know, Canadian U.S. Uh, driving licenses should be valid here. No need for any extra documents. So, it's, but uh, yeah, otherwise, quite uh, it would be pretty easy to negotiate with a driver of Uber, and uh, when the driver is still on the way, it's possible to call and you know even like with basic uh, Spanish, possible to agree that okay, if you bring me there, would you? Would you agree to wait there and come back, let's say, for the same price or <laughs> yeah. something? The yeah, last thing you want to do is get stuck out there without a car, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, otherwise, there is also uh, there are buses going there. So it's possible to take a bus from Teotihuacan to there is a north uh, like terminal uh, in the north of the city. But it would take a little bit more. It would take, I would say, at least two hours to get there. So Uber, maybe get in a car. Uh, most of the hotels would offer this kind of uh, service. Or maybe just get in a tour, uh, get in a private tour to go to the pyramids uh, or um, joining some group. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I know from you know my travels to Mexico that just having a passport is pretty much all you need. You don't have to worry about a visa or anything like that. I know a lot of times when we go to Cabo and Cancun, like we really don't have to bring a lot of cash because we're staying at the resort. We're, we're doing a lot of things uh, where we're just kind of relaxing. But in an area like Mexico City, we want to be able to explore and, and do everything. First off, do we need a lot of cash or uh, or is using a credit card going to be acceptable for most of, most of the places that we go to? I would say in most of the cases, the credit card would be fine. There are just some exceptions. It's basically street food vendors. Very often, like most of them would have a portable terminals. Most most of the street vendors, they're already trying to, but not all of them have. So to make it simple, street food uh, markets, if you want to get some souvenirs and so on, some restaurants still don't accept cards, but I would say it's more an exception of the rule. And if you would like to get a taxi, in most of the cases, I would recommend getting Uber. It's a safer, more cost-efficient and easier option, you know, exactly how much it costs, where you get, you get, what's the road, what road you take. But sometimes, you know, if you need to just take a short ride, a couple of blocks, or it's, you want to get the ride right here, right now, taxi would be, be necessary. Yeah. But uh, yeah, otherwise the cards are valid in most of the restaurants, most of, most of the hotels, but I would still have some cash, maybe an equivalent of, I don't know, hundred dollars with you just for any case. Sure, sure. And from what I remember, the last time I went to Mexico, it's around 20 pesos per dollar on the exchange rate. So it, it kind of fluctuates, but that's just kind of easy math to be able to, to do it that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right on. Also, you know, in going to the more of the resort areas, you, a lot of people are speaking English, those type of things. In Mexico City, do we need to, to kind of brush up on our Spanish a little bit more? Uh, or, you know, are some of the people going to come across, you know, do they speak English as well? I would say in the locations that cater to travelers, like hotels, restaurants in, in uh, popular areas, the waiters and the, the personnel, they would, they would speak at least basic English, you know, that is easy to understand, to, to communicate. Otherwise, with a top 50 words, you can survive. Anybody can survive here. Uh, I would say the level of English in Mexico City is definitely higher than compared to other regional capitals which don't get that much tourism. And uh, it might even be compared to the Riviera Maya and some like coastal areas. Younger generations would be better at English. So you could, you know, if you need to 
you know, to ask uh, how to get to some place. So I would just a rule of thumb would be catch somebody in the in the street who who's like you know a little bit younger because now English is getting more more and more necessary for all kind of jobs, unlike before. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that, that in some of the notes you provided me. I know there's some markets that you can go to that have some really great food experiences. I, I think that's one of those one of those situations because it's more of a local type of market where you're going to want to have a, a few more Spanish words in your in your dictionary available and also have some of that that pocket change and cash versus using your card. Correct? Yeah, exactly. And sp- so speaking of those markets, like what are some of the markets you'd recommend and, and like places for like those, those really authentic food experiences when we're there in Mexico City? Honestly, markets are my main, it's, a, it's my passion, basically. In Mexico, they haven't changed for centuries. It's probably the most, it's a place for communication. It's a place for trade. It's a place to listen to the news. They are colorful. Uh, you get everything there, including food, because you see what kind of like the, the, the ingredients are almost always fresh. People that work there, they guide their reputation. Normally, they are mom and dad. Uh, shops, you know, like very small businesses, they cook in front of you, you know, people, if basically a rule of thumb is just like coming and seeing, okay, it's, it's full of people, most probably they're locals, they come here like, if not every day, but at least every week. So it's just sitting there and it's going to be, it's going to be nice. I live in the historic center. So like our office where I work, it's very close to uh, San Juan market. It's um, very famous for all kind of like exotic food. So you can get here, Mexican insects, Mexican cuisine has historically been based on insects, starting from pre-Hispanic times, like, you know, fried scorpions, crickets, you get some exotic meat, including buffalo meat, alligator meat, and so on, but also kind of like different food from other places, like you can get tapas, but with Mexican wines, you can, you know, get some some other stuff. Another one popular is uh, with uh, travelers is Medellin Market, it's uh, Mercado Medellin. It's in uh, Roma uh, neighborhood. It focuses basically on uh, like international ingredients, international food. So you can find there shops and restaurants owned by Colombians, by Cubans, by Guatemaltecos, and so on. Yeah, those are like the famous ones. But any market in any uh, neighborhood is is great. It's worth visiting. The food is nice. Uh, there is huge market here in, in the center. There are like three huge markets. One is called Jamaica, which is uh, like Jamaica. It's basically dedicated to flowers. Another one, Sonora, it's more about animals and some kind of like spiritual, uh, you know, stuff and so on. Another one is uh, Avelardo Rodriguez. It's a smaller one in the center, uh, but it has nice uh, murals by Diego Rivera. Well, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think it's going to those markets is, you know, as, as much as you want to be able to sit in a restaurant and those type of things, going to some of those markets allows you to to w- be able to walk around, enjoy yourself and be able to sample from a lot of different places versus just sitting down and having a meal from like one spot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, in front of uh, Medellin, there is also so now they call like astronomic markets. They are modern. So it's kind of like a kind of food courts with different uh, shops like Oaxaca food. Tacos, al pastor, vegan food, and so on. So you can jump in and you can try different, you know, get drink from this place, uh, get food from here. So you can taste a lot. But same stuff happens in the traditional markets as well. Okay. Well, Rana, well, Alex, I, uh, again, I really appreciate you coming on these shows and, and sharing all these amazing tips for Mexico City. Sounds like an amazing place to visit. And I can't wait to come out there and hang out with you sometime. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal, 
when they visit Mexico City? Where should they go and what should they eat? Wow, uh, that's a difficult question. I would say the most famous meal from Mexico City is Tacos al Pastor. And Mexico, it has been always kind of like a melting pot. So different cultures, different cuisines come here and mix. So this one is uh, basically marinated pork on the skew, kind of like kebab style. So it was brought by uh, Lebanese immigrants in the end of uh, last century and it, it got Mexicanized. So I would definitely try those tacos. And there are some n- nice places. There is one chain, which is pretty good, El Huequito. Normally, I don't really, like, not always i in favor of, like, chains, but they really know what, what they do. El Jalifa is also pretty good. So, yeah, that would be one most important dish to try in Mexico City. Oh, fantastic. Now, I know you mentioned earlier that, like, love brought you to Mexico. And I'm sure you've had a really amazing experiences, both with with your girl and as well as like just exploring the city on your own. What's one of the most uh, memorable experiences in Mexico city? I would say the, the most impressive and memorable probably was the, the parade, the day of the dad, there was this movie. What was, was it called about the, the spy, the most popular movie about the spy is like the, the British you mean guy, James Bond? James Bond, James Bond. And there was this, it's a specter. So it's from 2010. Uh-huh. For the first time, it was in this movie. But based on this movie, it got so much attention. A lot of travelers actually started coming. So the government actually started organizing this parade. And it's really huge. And it's really nice. Really impressive. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's always kind of cool. Like sometimes like, you know, life imitates the movies and sometimes movies Im- imitate life. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun that they created that for that. Yeah, this is kind of like on the way around. <laughs> right on. Well, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Mexico City? Ooh, I would say the happy hour is every hour here. People are happy any time of the day. And sometimes it's, it's good. Sometimes it's bad because in the night might be difficult to sleep because people are just having their happy hour at uh, one in the morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but there are plenty of bars this kind of like a concept of happy hour where like for specific time it's popular like for example uh, some places like uh if, if, if anybody likes beer there is uh, uh one beer place that is called cerveceria del barrio it's it's a chain but they are they still keep nice like authentic environment a lot of beer so they have this kind of like you know discounts in the in the afternoon when people get out of, of work in uh, Chile's, uh, it's another network. They have uh, the happy hour on uh, every every Thursday, so it's like two for one. Otherwise, almost anywhere you get some some nice drinks, some some nice deals. I personally like in Mexico they have this uh, fermented drink, which is called pulque. It's basically a fermented sap of uh, agave, like the same plant uh, used for tequila when it's distilled. So there are some nice pulquerias. Uh, it's getting a very hip movement. So those places are kind of like, you know, alternative culture, some nice DJs, sometimes some kind of alternative bands. Like there is one in um, uh, Roma, uh, which is uh, called La Nuclear. Uh, Insurgentes, it's called Pulqueria Insurgentes. Also in this, in this area, it has like several, several floors. So yeah. Those would be, would be the places, my favorite ones. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, I think, you know, as much as I love to drink beer and everything, I, like being able to have that unique experience of the of the polka, I think that would be really cool to be able to, to, to enjoy that while we're there. Yeah, and especially they have like different taste ones. So you can try 
the natural one, which uh, has a very specific taste. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. The, the, the ones that are kind of like prepared with different fruits and juices. So those are, yeah, most of the people, they, they love it. Fantastic. One of the other things I do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Mexico City? Oh, pizza is quite, a, I would say, it's quite a common food. A lot of people love pizza, so there are a lot of pizzerias. My favorite spot would be Cancino, Cancino, if uh, it's uh, in Italian. Uh, there are several places in Mexico City. Well, the one that is close to where I live, it's uh, Barrio Alameda. So they have, definitely they have pepperoni, but they also have some very unique, nice combinations of flavors. Uh, over there and uh, it's a really like Italian style very thin pizza so uh, yeah I, w- I would recommend it fantastic well, we'll talk about your your site in a minute here but I know just from like doing a little research on you that you know a lot about traveling you you're traveling all over the world and, and I know you've lived in, in numerous different you know, cities around the world so what would be one of your best travel tips I would say my the most important one would be just travel just don't wait, don't think too much, don't prepare too much. If uh, if there is an impulse, if there is something calling you, something like, oh, I want to go to this place. Some people could get delayed, like, oh, I am i don't have anybody to go with, so I call my friends, and then people, you know, basically can cancel the last moment. And I know some quite a few people, and also from my experience, then, you know, you get frustrated, like, oh, I cannot do it. So it's just not thinking too much, just if, if necessary, even going alone to travel, it's a great way to to explore. It's a great way to get to know ourselves better. So it's just just traveling, just not not waiting. That's that's the most important. Like you said, I, I think there are a lot of people that are that are afraid of traveling by themselves. And as much as you know, you want to be able to travel with your friends and stuff like that. That sometimes just booking the trip, and maybe that's enough where somebody else they know you're serious enough where they'll book a trip also, or on various Facebook groups or different local groups in the city that you're traveling to, there's expats, there's other people that are there traveling and you can meet people, you know, sign up for a tour or something like that. And maybe you meet somebody that's on the tour and become friends with somebody that way you can enjoy somebody when you're already there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's uh, when you have everything and you're mentally ready, the life actually brings, brings you what you, what you're planning. You get your tickets it means you're mentally already there, alone or with a friend or someone. So the life will bring you, you know, some people and some some nice experiences. But it's just important not to be afraid and like go ahead, make the first step, yeah, and just just travel. I, I totally agree. So, well, Alex, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all those amazing tips from Mexico City. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? I'm living in Mexico City. I'm a passionate traveler myself since. Uh, I remember myself uh, so far I have about like over 50 countries on my list uh, uh, still working on improving it and uh, Mexico it's my home uh, at the moment and uh, I found here I made my passion profession here so I'm passionate about traveling and uh, since I came here I've been working in a a travel company uh, founded by me it's called uh, Vibe Adventures so uh, if anybody, we are focusing on authentic uh, local one-day and multi-day tours in Mexico and uh, the region. Yeah, if, if anybody is uh, looking forward to visiting Mexico, check out uh, us at fiveadventures.com and I hope we can help you. That sounds amazing. Well, we'll definitely include links to that in the show notes. If, uh, if somebody has questions about 
about your tours, your company, or Mexico City, what's the best way to reach you on social media? You can find us in um, almost any social media, Instagram or Facebook, uh, Vibe Adventures. Just drop us a line and we will be back to you as, yeah, as soon as possible. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll definitely include links to those in the show notes. Alex, it's been a pleasure talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you very much, Lee. Have a great day. What a fun conversation with Alex. Although I normally travel to Mexico for its beaches, I need to start exploring its interior to experience more of its culture. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to Alex's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Mexico City. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner in today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs, so that way you can save regal free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Monterey, California to speak with my good friend Chris Christensen of the Amateur Traveler Podcast. In this episode, Chris and I talk about visiting the Monterey Bay Aquarium, seeing the amazing views from Lover's Point, and exploring the historic Carmel Mission. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your private podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Bye.